0: check. I've never been whistled at before like that. That's great. Can I ask you guys a favor? There's like 12 rows up here. Can we kind of scrunch in? In youth ministry, we always make them come to the front. So I'm going to ask you guys to come up. You don't have to come up all the way if you don't want to, but the first two rows don't even have anybody. So if you'll come forward, it'll just make us feel a little closer. Even those in the back on the my right, your left, if you can just screw it up a little bit, that'd be great. Check. Am I on? Okay. All right. Awesome. While well, everybody gets resituated. Thank you. All right. Well, one thing that we have found last year in our summer series is that we just love to open with a little activity. And I have to be honest with you, even though I'm a youth pastor, it's not always my favorite part of the the meeting. So I always look to other people who are really fun at games, but I did come up with something and hopefully this will be fun. Um, So we are going to play Getting to Know You. I felt like it fit with the title, Know He is God, okay? And the reason that I wanted to do this is a lot of times we come in on the weekend services and we think we know each other, right? We sit next to the same people. We just kind of mingle. We talk. But we don't really know each other's history or what we've been through or what we've done. So I've come up with 15 have you ever questions And here's the rules, you're going to take your little red piece of paper, and if it applies to you, you stand. So you have to admit to the whole group, this this applies to you. Okay, now I've tried not to get too personal, because I thought, now if I wouldn't stand or do it, then I'm not going to make you. Okay, but here's the deal, if I do ask something and it's too personal for you, you don't have to stand, but then you cannot give yourself a point. Is that fair? Okay, so if you don't want to stand for it and admit to it, that's fine, but then don't give yourself a point. All right, and I have some really good chocolate to pass out as gifts so that the top five, the top five winners get to walk away with candy bar. <laughs> oh, so <Helen. laughs> All right, so Helen's going to just lie and stand up for everything just so she can have the chocolate. All right. So here we go. So if this applies to you, you have to stand. And if you stand, you get to give yourself a point. And if you have 15, then we're going to have to, you know, do a raffle if we have a bunch of butt. All right. Have you ever, number one, made an extravagant purchase that got you into trouble? Maybe with your spouse or your parents. But you purchased something that got you in trouble. All right. That's number one. All right. Number two. Have you ever gotten into a fist fight with somebody outside of a family member?
1: Have
0: you ever gotten to, okay. Steer clear of these ladies. All right. All right. Number three, have you ever gone bungee jumping or skydiving? These are for the adventurers in the room. Oh, look at this. See, I thought I knew you. Bungee jumping, all right. Number four, have you ever jump started a car without any help from a man? Jump started a car without any help from a man. Wow, that's more than I thought. Great, give yourself a point. Okay. Number five, have you ever gotten a tattoo or piercing other than piercing your ears? So if you pierce your ears, that doesn't count. Anything other than that, a tattoo or piercing. No, a permanent tattoo. Temporaries don't count. And nose rings do count. So if you have a nose ring, you get to stand. But anything other than your ears. All right. Number six, have you ever gone whitewater rafting? See, these people, I admire you people because I would never. All right. Good. All right. Now we're going to get a little personal. All right. Have you ever, and you better not stand up for this one, have you ever gotten drunk? And we'll just assume this is all before Jesus, right? Okay, have you ever gotten drunk? And Vicki thought I should ask should any bonus points if you've ever gotten drunk more than once? No. Twice? Three times? To- no, I'm just kidding. All right, so give yourself a point if you've gotten drunk. Number eight. All right, a little more personal. Again, you don't have to admit to this if you don't want to, but then you don't get, to, you don't get the point. Have you ever laughed so hard in public that you peed your pants? <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I didn't think I'd catch that many. That's great. I love it. Okay. It stays in this room. Okay. All right. It's recorded. We're not recording this part, right, guys? All right. All right, number nine, have you ever hunted or killed a wild animal? Hunted and killed a wild animal, I should say. Okay, or, or impresses me. If you've, if you've hunted, hunted or killed a wild animal. Really? Okay. What? No, running over with your car doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> unless it was on purpose, unless you drove into the deer. All right, wait, can you stand again? What did you hunt? I want to know. Rabbit. Rabbit. Raccoon. Okay. <laughs> what have you hunted? Possum. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. What have you hunted? Oh, when you were little. Okay. Heather. Okay. Oh, you killed it then, for sure. What did you kill? Quail. Man, you women are impressive. What have you killed? Wow, you guys are, see? There's so many gifts in this room. Okay, number 10. Have you ever ridden in a hot air balloon? No. Oh, we have a couple. Awesome. That seems like, you've, Helen, you have? I thought I knew you. That's awesome. Okay. Hot air balloon. All right. Number 11. Have you ever gone dumpster diving or trash picking for an item in your house? I mean, you don't have to have it in your house now, but you've, you had it in your house. It was part of your decor. Dumpster diving or trash picking for an item in your house. Okay. Awesome. Number 12. Have you ever sang in a karaoke contest? And you can pick drunk or sober. Karaoke, you know, where you have to, a contest to sing, you know, usually they have, you read, you usually read the words. It's a karaoke contest. Okay. You don't have to win. Have you ever participated? Have you ever participated in a karaoke contest? All right. Number 13. Have you ever been involved in a beauty pageant of any kind? Could be at a fair, could be at a, wow. Wow. <laughs> Vicki's like going, I'm so embarrassed. This I... <laughs> is before Jesus. Okay, well, that's disclaimer. All right, great. <laughs> we should dig out some pictures. No. All right, number 14. Have you ever been caught outside camping in the middle of a storm? Okay, I thought I'd give some grace. Okay, good. All right, give yourself a point. And last but not least... As a youth pastor, I have to ask this one. Have you ever participated in TPing somebody else's house? <laughs> Great. All right. How many of you have, tally up your points, how many of you have 15? If you have all 15, raise your hand or stand. 14. 13. 12. 11. 10. All right. 10. Stand up if you got 10. All right. Okay. How many? Go ahead, Jamie. You had one? Nine. All right. You get to pick. You get, you know, you get to pick your choice. Awesome. Okay. So that was 10? Oh, I get to share that one. That's great. All right. Nine. Oh, now we have too many. Okay, you can't eat it. All right, that's in count. Nine, all right. Here, Kaylin. I'll buy you another one later. All right, here you go. She's my daughter, for those of you who don't know. All right, here you go. All right, so that was getting to know you. Thank you for playing. All right. Okay. Well, little did I know when this was scheduled, at the beginning of the summer or in June, um, where I would be landing in life this month. Um, For those of you that don't know, my husband had a serious motorcycle accident three and a half weeks ago. And so he is at home recovering and doing well, but he has a broken left tibia and has had surgery on that already and has a right uh, tear in his ACL in his knee and PCL in his knee and a chipped bone. And so he's in a brace in his right leg and a... Boot in his left leg, and so he's recovering. And it's it's just funny because um, you know when Heather and I were talking about be still and no, I really wanted the be still part because I thought, oh, Jesus is teaching me just to be still and be quiet, and this is a good invitation and a great season. And um, just you know, as we were talking, just schedule wise, it was better for her to take that one. And then little did I know that I was going to be in this season. And honestly, I can stand here tonight saying that I know, that I know, that I know he's God. And it's just because I'm in the middle of it right now, in the middle of the hardest season I've ever been in, but it's good. And so I keep saying uh, to different people in my life, it's hard, but it's good. And so we're embracing it. We're just learning everything that God has for us to learn in this season. And we're just um, grateful, first of all, that he's alive And, uh, you know, in the hospital, there were so many people in such worst scenario, you know, worst case scenarios than Jake. And we just kept saying, it's only your legs. It's only your legs. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. And so it's just been really, really good. So as you know, this series is called Be Still and Know That He's God out of Psalm 4610. And like Vicki said, Heather just did an amazing job last month of just talking about being still. She talked about, you know, the story of Elijah hearing God. In the still, small whisper, and uh, she outlined how often it's really hard for us to just dial down and be quiet and listen, but that when we do, we find this God who's always speaking, He's always communicating, He's always wanting our attention, and so uh, I really would encourage you if you were not here last month to get the tape that was really I was really blessed by it, and so um, so tonight we're going to talk about this whole thing of knowing He's God. And just as I've been praying and processing this teaching with the Lord, I just really feel like the, the invitation of the Holy Spirit tonight is that he just wants to take us to a deeper place of understanding and knowing the Father. And it's almost like I, I sense him like just taking us by the hand and gently saying, come on, come with me. I want to show you who God is. And so that's my prayer for tonight. So let's pray, and then we're going to just jump into this. And I really, really sense that the Lord wants to do some Meet things in ministry time, so I want to leave plenty of time for that as well. So Jesus, I just thank you again for the gift of being able to get together as women and to just spend an evening, God, where we come and we learn and we experience you. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come fill this place with your presence, with your power. I pray, Lord, right now for anyone who's anxious or nervous or unsettled about tonight. I just ask for just your peace to rest. I ask for your peace to rest in this place. And Jesus, I just ask, let these words not be mine, but let they, let them be from you. I ask that they would just go deep into our spirits and that they bring change in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start tonight with one of my all-time favorite quotes by A.W. Tozer, and in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. So who he is, what he's like, what he does, these are all really, really important things. And there's different levels of knowing God. That we're going to talk about tonight, but knowing can begin in our minds. It's this, you know, this place of what we think about God, what, who we perceive Him to be. And so, I want to start. What is the definition of know? And here's a few: to perceive or understand as fact or truth, to apprehend clearly and with certainty, to know, to have established or fixed in the mind or memory. To be cognizant or aware of. And lastly, to understand from experience. These are all ways that we know God. To know God, we have to understand truth about who he is. We have to know who he is through the truth of who he is. We have to have these truths established and fixed in our minds. We have to be aware of who he is. We have to know and be aware of him. We have to understand him through experience. So how can we know God? Now, as much as I'm gonna say tonight, there is also this side of God is unknowable to a degree. I mean, he is just beyond us as human beings. You know, he's infinite. He's outside of time and space. And so there's a part of us as humans that we will never fully understand God. If we sat and studied or, you know, became a scholar of who God was, we'd never get to the end of it because he's bigger than us and broader than us and deeper than us. And we just wouldn't be able to fully understand. So even though we're talking about knowing, I want to acknowledge that there's a fact that God is bigger than. And he's beyond knowing in some degree. But for the sake of having something to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about just some ways that we can know God. So I'm going to talk about two main ways we can know God. And I want us to think of this as like a railway track. You know, for a train to go down a track, it needs both rails. And so both of these things that I'm going to talk about tonight I feel like are equally important. And the first one is, number one, we know God in head knowledge or we know him intellectually to know God intellectually. This is one way we can know him. So we start from a place of learning who God is and what he's like. And when we first become new believers, we don't know a whole lot about God. We're not supposed to. We're we're getting to know him. We're getting to know who he is, right? But as we walk in our walk with the Lord, we get to know him better. We gain more knowledge of who he is. We begin to hear things about he's faithful, he's in control, he's sovereign. We hear all of these attributes of who God is, and we begin embracing them as truth. And so we begin to know God intellectually. So two ways we come to know God intellectually. The first one is we come to know God through teachings about God. Right, you're here tonight. And we're talking about God. You're learning about God on weekend services. That's why one reason we gather together on the weekend is to hear and to learn about God. You might learn him, learn about him through teaching tapes or going to conferences or retreat. There's lots of different ways. You can read books about God. So again, it's we're just gaining cerebral knowledge about who God is. We become students of God and intellectually learn who he is. The second way we can come to know God is through, relation, or through reading and studying his word. Through reading and studying his word. We study the scriptures. We see who God is and what he's done throughout biblical history. We see his faithfulness to his people. We see him performing signs and wonders. I mean, we see him in Genesis as the God who created the heavens and the earth. He gave life to us. He's that God. He's the God in Exodus who leads his people out of slavery. He's the one who enables David, who's just a young shepherd boy, to kill the giant Goliath. He's God. He's doing these things. He's the one who uh, sends his son, Jesus, to come to the earth as a baby and to grow up as a man, to die on the cross for our sins so we can have eternal life. This is God. He's the one who sent the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts to empower the church, to go out and impact the world. So through reading this word, we get to know who God is. We we gain a history of who God is through this word. And it's really important that we we pay attention and give time to knowing God intellectually. It's an important piece of who God of knowing who God is. It's a track that we need to put ourselves. And I really wanna encourage us tonight. I know sometimes I am really guilty of this as well, that as Americans, it's so much easier to kind of be spoon-fed, you know? Here, I'll just go listen to a teaching or I'll go, you know, sit in a message and have somebody else tell me about who God is. But really, this word is what anchors us. This is what, you know, draws a plumb line through the earth and and just centers us into who God is. And I know uh, time and time again, as I've just been exhausted and walking and praying through the season of, of you know, serving my husband, there I've just been out walking and praying. That's kind of all I can do right now is just walk. And there's just times when just scripture just comes. I'm not trying, but there's just a scripture that just comes from when I was like In middle school or high school, something that I just memorized or learned. And it's a truth about who God is. And I might be struggling and thinking, oh, this is overwhelming. We're never going to get through this. You know, my emotions are all over. I'm exhausted. You know, and then just like an arrow, it's like the Lord reminds me of something that I know about him through his word. And so it's so important to know the word. And so I just want to, you know, encourage us tonight that we can grow and have spiritual roots um, that will grow our faith in him. But we have to take time to dig into this word. It's not all about somebody else telling you what it says. That's good, especially when you're a new believer. But as we grow in our faith, we got to dig into this and find what God's saying for, to us, for ourselves. John 1, 1 and 2 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the word and he speaks to us through this living word. This is our manual for life. This is our revelation of who God is, and if we want to know him better, we've got to get in this, and more than five minutes a day. It's got to be a discipline. It's got to be something that we do. Things that are important to us, we spend time doing, and so we have to make the word important an important piece of what we're doing. So we come to know God intellectually through teachings about God and through studying and reading the word. That's track number one. Track number two is to know God experientially, or what I like to call heart knowledge. And I have to be honest, this is the one I bend more towards. I don't know if it's because I'm a worship leader or what, but I bend more toward my personality, toward knowing God Experientially. And so I have to discipline myself to, to do the other, to be the intellectual, you know, studier. I have to make myself do that. It doesn't come as easy. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you can read the word, but worship is a little scary to you. And that's okay. But I would just encourage you to try to stretch yourself and, you know, sit before the Lord and worship. So um, to know God experientially, when we begin to experience God, we gain an undeniable knowledge of Him that no one else can deny or take away from us. What you experience in your own personal walk with the Lord, no one else can take away from you. No one can tell you he's not real if you've experienced him, right? If you have had an undeniable experience with the Lord, whether it's in worship or wherever, somebody could come up to you and say, God's not real, And you can say, oh, yes, he is, because I have personally experienced him. And so it's this undeniable knowledge of him that no one can take away. And so when we do this, we begin to understand his heart for us, his desire for us, and his purpose and his plan for us. So how do we know him experientially? The first one I mentioned a little bit, through worship and prayer. Through worship and prayer. Worship is sometimes a hard concept to grasp especially if, if it's kind of not in your history. And uh, I even just want to plug, Michael's going to be teaching on worship Tuesday night in the um, equipped class. So if, if worship is something that you still don't know or understand fully, I'd encourage you, go and sit. And listen, Michael's a great teacher. And um, just learn more about what worship is. But worship is a place to experience God's presence. It's a place to experience God's presence. It's a place of surrender to him, acknowledging who he is and who we are not. That's why we raise our hands. If if raising your hands is a little bit new to you, that's just a way, it's just an act of surrender. It's like, you're God, I am not. You know, it's just a reaching out and saying, we need you, God. It's acknowledging that he's in charge and we owe him everything. And worship, whether privately or corporately, is a time where we often uh, experience God's tangible presence. You know, if you've ever been here on a weekend service, there's been different times, I'm sure, where you've just experienced the tangible presence of the Lord. And and it's just like all of a sudden, there's just a, a weightiness in the room, and that's God's presence. And so we know him experientially through worship. The second is prayer. And, you know, I think sometimes we try to, or we tend to overcomplicate prayer. Prayer is just simply talking to God. It is just this simple. But Prayer is really two-way communication, and sometimes we kind of get on our list of things to pray and pray and pray, and we don't remember. Like, God has things to tell us, too. So it's a two-way communication. It's a time of talking to God and pouring out our needs before him and the things that we're dealing with, but then it's also a time, like Heather was talking last time, to be still and quiet and listen. To what he wants to say to us and i would just encourage you find what works for you don't try to take somebody else's formula for years i think i tried to you know sit in my chair and light my candle and have my coffee and you know create this whole little thing and and i found like i love to walk in the morning So I just get out and walk and pray. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I'm walking and praying and I'm looking around going, I hope nobody's watching me because they're going to think, you know, maybe I need to get a little Bluetooth so that people at least think I'm talking on the phone or something. But just find what works for you. What works in your personality time of day. I used to have awesome, awesome prayer times at night. I just was more awake at night. It worked for me. There was other seasons when my lunch hour was perfect. So just find what works for you in your current season. I used to walk and pray with my babies late at night. I would be up in the middle of the night. They're screaming their heads off. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. You know, but those were some of the sweetest times. And now, you know, they're all grown up. And I wish I had those times back sometimes. So just whatever season you're in, find ways to interact with God. He wants to interact with us. And lately, you know, I've been so exhausted the last three weeks. I've just been walking and going, Jesus, just walk with me right now. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I'm just exhausted. So just come be with me. And it's sweet. It's really sweet. It's really sweet. And so it's just, he just wants us to invite him in to whatever we're walking through. He wants to be in communication with us. So that's the first way that we can know him experientially. The second way is by creating or having history with him. We get to know God as we create and have history with him. And think of your own friendships. I mean, the the friends that you're closest with and that you feel the most connected with are are the people who know you that you have history with, you've laughed with, you've cried with, you've screamed in anger with. You know, They're the women that have held you through thick and thin. And those are the relationships. You have history with them. And the same thing is our relationship with God. Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we create this history of knowing God. I have been anchored in my faith of who God is because I've known him since I was seven. Now, that's a privilege that I've had. I've just walked a long time with him. But anytime I start to freak out, and I have freaked out over the last three and a half weeks, you know, you get a bill in the mail and go, oh, my Lord. Uh, you know, but I go, okay, when I was pregnant with Kalen and Jake wasn't, wasn't working, he, he uh, lost his job, you were faithful then, Lord. You'll be faithful now. You know, when we didn't have this and we needed it and you showed up, God, you were faithful. When Kaylin was diagnosed a couple years ago with a thyroid, you know, disorder and we didn't know what was going on, God was faithful. And so I have history of God's faithfulness in my life and who he's been and what he's done for me. And so in those moments of despair or, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, I can go back and say, no, nope, you were faithful then, you were faithful then, you were faithful then, you're going to be faithful now. And so it's creating a history. And I often rehearse those things. Sometimes those are my prayers. Okay, Jesus, you know, you provided then, so I'm going to trust you're going to provide now. You know, and sometimes I have to convince myself and pray those things back. But, but that's what the Lord invites us to. A scripture I'm constantly quoting to myself right now when I begin to worry about anything is Philippians, especially finances, is Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs. And so I see God's faithfulness. So, I want to take a look real quick at a story in Scripture that we're probably all familiar with. And this story really, really applies right now in the season that I'm in. And so that's in uh, Mark 4, 35 through 41, and it's the story where Jesus calms the storm. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to get get them out. And we're going to turn to Mark 4, 35 through 41, and if not, the Scriptures will be on the screen for you. And so here's a little background to get into the context of this real quickly. All right, Mark 4, 35 through 41. We're going to jump in there in just a second. Here's a little context. To cross over the Sea of Galilee, a lake that is only eight miles wide would, seem, would not seem difficult at first glance. Yet its unique ge- ge- uh, geography produces a greatly varying climate. The lake is situated 700 feet below sea level, and is surrounded by mountains that rise 3,000 to 4,000 feet above sea, sea level on the west, north, and east. Tropical conditions prevail around the lake's surface, yet the higher elevations can produce chilling night air. It is not unusual even today for a sudden great windstorm to appear on the Sea of Galilee during the evening hours. The warm tropical air from the lake's surface rises and meets the colder air from the nearby hills. The resulting turbulence stirs up great waves, which make boating extremely treacherous. So that's the background to the story that we're about to read. So Mark 4, 35 through 41 says this, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. So let's break this apart a little bit. In verse 35, we see that Jesus is the one who initiates the trip. He's the one who says, Let's go. Jesus is the one who initiates the trip across the sea. He wants to get away from the crowds, and so he gathers his disciples into the boat and he says, let's go. Verse 37. So this furious squall or storm comes up. It says the waves begin to break over the boat, and the New King James Version says the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up. So let's put ourselves in the middle of this story for just a minute. Those of you adventurous people, you might like this. I would not, okay? I would have been bailing or yelling or, you know, terrified. I would have been one. Um, So, This, uh, you know, think of it. You're out in the middle of this lake and there's a storm and the waves and wind and, you know, the waves are rocking the boat and the water is coming into the boat and the disciples are freaking out. I would have been too, right? And we don't know how big the boat is. It doesn't say, but if we look at context, it's probably a fisherman's boat. I'm sure it wasn't like a luxury boat like we have today, right? But there were 13 of them in the boat. If, If All the disciples were there. It says Jesus, you know, called his disciples. And here's Jesus. It says he's at the stern, asleep on a pillow. So you've got the disciples freaking out, and Jesus is sound asleep. And it says in one version that the disciples were shouting at him. And I'm sure they were shouting because the storm was probably loud, right? They're like, hey, we're going to die. Get up. Wake up, right? And Jesus is sound asleep. So I don't know how many of you like storms. I don't mind storms if I'm in my house or on my front porch and I can watch it nicely and I can go inside if it gets too bad, right? But out on a lake, that would not be too fun for me. So in verse 39, it says Jesus gets up. He rebukes the storm by saying, quiet, be still. And immediately the entire scene changes. It's calm. It's quiet. The winds die down, the seas grow calm, and the storm is over. And then he turns back to his disciples in verse 40, and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, and and I just was kind of asking myself this week, like, Lord, you know, were you you, uh, sad that your disciples didn't know who you were? You know, were you... Were you sad that they didn't trust you and think that you were capable of handling this? They weren't convinced that he was who he says he was, maybe. But he he corrects them. But aren't we like that at times? We know he's God and what he's done, yet we aren't convinced that in this situation right now, he's going to come and take care of it. We get anxious and worried and fearful. We know he's God. We have all these facts. We've got all these stories. He can. He did. He has. And yet we question him, and fear creeps in, and anxiety creeps in. And as I've been wrestling with the Lord, I'm going to share a little bit about this in a minute, with just this whole thing of anxiety and fear, even some this summer. Every time that I kind of get to the end of this, you know, but Lord, but Lord, and I'm kind of wrestling it through with the Lord, I hear him quietly saying, but you don't know me. And it's not in this corrective way. It's in this invitational, like, I want you to know me. Come find out more so that you won't be afraid, so you won't be anxious, so you won't be dealing with this. So how can we apply this story to our own lives? Right now, this Story is obviously something that I can so relate with. And the first thing that we see in this story is that Jesus initiates this journey into the storm. Jesus is the one who invites them into this place. And I think so often as believers, we think that if we have Jesus in our lives, then everything in life will always be smooth and nothing bad will happen to us. Take one look at our staff right now and you'll know that's not true. <laughs> right? But John six thirty three says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not you might have trouble, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He says we will have trouble. Jesus initiates this journey through the storm in our lives. And he said that we'll all have trouble. You know, your trouble will look different than mine. It might be financial stress. It might be relational stress. It might be marital stress. But all of us will at some point in our lives experience hard things. His guarantee, though, is that he's going to do it with us. He's going to be right there in the midst of the storm. And I can't tell you, I, I, you know, said it earlier, but there's just a sweetness in the place of suffering. It's hard. It's not fun. I wouldn't want it. <laughs> naturally, but there is just this sweetness because he feels so close. He feels closer in this season than I've experienced him in a very long time. I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I just, I, I feel this whisper, I'm right here. You know, I go on a walk, I feel, I'm right here. I just sense this, this sweetness and this closeness with the Lord. Next, number two, we see that the storm does not affect Jesus. He's sleeping, He's not affected by the storm. He's not afraid of our storms. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He's not, you know, looking down and going, oh my gosh. He's he's not affected. God's bigger than our storms. He already knows every storm you're going to face and I'm going to face for the rest of our lives. And there's complete security in knowing that. Thirdly, the storm reveals the reality of our hearts. The storm reveals the reality of our hearts. The storm provoked and brought out this fear that was in the hearts of the disciples. And storms bring out what's in us. It rises to the surface automatically. Do we really believe that he's in control? Do we really trust him no matter what? Do we really have faith that he will take care of us? And storms kind of shake us to that place where what we really believe rises to the top. Storms reveal the reality of our hearts. And so I just, I want to share a little bit. I went into this summer again. I was saying that the Lord had invited me into this place of rest. But I started the summer really battling fear and anxiety. And, um, you know, there's different seasons in my life where I've battled through this. And so I really wanted to kind of get to the root and ask the Lord, like, Lord, can you just deal with this and go to the very root? And, you know, um, we, we started the summer great. We had a beautiful vacation with our kids in Florida, and it was nice, peaceful, relaxing time. July rolled around, and Jake and Kaylin and the, the teens were getting ready to go to Costa Rica. And the couple weeks before the trip, I just started getting really anxious. And Jake's gone on other trips before. And you know, sometimes I've dealt with anxiety with these trips, but other other times I haven't. And I was just really wrestling and I, and I was praying and I'm like, Lord, if I'm dealing with this as the pastor's wife, you know, just like, I was just really praying over the other moms and dads and people that were sending their kids on this trip. And yet I knew in my spirit, man, this is gonna be a life-changing trip. This is gonna be a God-encountering time for these teens missions trips are always just like these major impacting uh, seasons for teenagers and they mark them and so i really just had to battle through this whole thing of anxiety and fear and honestly it didn't break i did everything i knew how to do i prayed i worshipped i quoted scriptures i told friends they prayed for me and it just didn't lift so i was like okay you know what is this so they go on the trip, and, and I dealt with a little bit of anxiety while they were gone, but, you know, just kind of every day, like giving it to the Lord. And uh, the trip ended, and they came home, and I felt better. And literally, like one week after the trip, Jake has his accident. And I can't tell you, and I still don't understand it, but the day that he had the accident, and since, there, since then, I have been at peace like I have not known. And it doesn't make sense. I'm like, okay, I should be anxious and worried and exhausted, you know, all these things. And yet there's been this peace because I just, it was like God said to me, it doesn't matter where you are in the earth, I'm there and I'm in control and I've got this. And I just knew that I knew that that day when Jake had the accident, that God was there. He spared his life. I've seen the pictures. I've ta- you know, talked to the police officer. It could have been much, much worse. And I just knew, I just knew. God, you were in control even that day, and so there's just been this, this peace, and, and the anxiety is gone, and I, you know, I kind of, some people have asked me, do you think that you, know, you had this, the Lord was preparing you because something was in, and I don't know, you know if that's what it was, but it's just interesting that you know, there's times when we just have to press in, and we have to do what we know to do. And, and the Lord does come, and he breaks it, and he takes it. And, and, you know, you probably knew that I couldn't deal with anxiety and fear on top of all that I'm dealing with right now. But just this supernatural peace came in the midst of the storm. So number four, got to hurry up here. Number four, storms cause us to turn to Jesus. When the disciples were afraid, they went to Jesus. They said, hey, don't you care? We're going to drown. You know, they turned to him. And uh, storms cause us to run to Jesus. You know, the whole way we're driving to the emergency room, Kaylin was driving and that was the Lord because I was, you know, texting Danny and the team and saying, hey, please pray. I don't know what's going on but the whole way there, I was just, you know, okay, God, be with me. I hate hospitals. I pass out with needles. I hate blood, but Jesus, I'm going to trust that you're going to get me through this, and I just, you know, we get into the emergency room. One funny story, we get into the emergency room, and I'm like all calm, and I'm like, okay, Lord, you can help me through this, and this guy walks into the emergency room, and he's got some kind of weird gash in his hand. He's walking like this, and blood's dripping, and Judah's looking at me, and I'm looking at him like, oh, no, I can't do this, you know, but the, the Lord is just gracious. He's, he's helped me every step of the way. Jake called me from the ambulance and said, I'm okay. It was in an accident. I think I'm fine. I don't know if I can preach tonight, but I'm okay. You know, And just, just that call, God knew that if I had gotten a call from an emergency you know, from, from somebody other than my husband, I would have been flipping out but the Lord was gracious to me and had Jake cognizant so that he could call me. And I was like, okay, at least he's alive. He's aware, he's, he's you know. So I got to the emergency room knowing that he was somewhat okay. But I got into the room and I'm like, uh, this is more than road rash, honey. Because he told me, I just have road rash, I'm okay. I'm like, this is more than road rash. So anyway, number five, Jesus is con- in control of the storm. Jesus is in control of the storm. It says, Jesus got up, he commanded the wind and the waves, saying, quiet, be still. He can be the calm in the midst of our storms. And that so, some days, that's all I'm praying. Jesus, just come. Be the calm in the midst of my storm. Jesus is in control. Lastly, Jesus reminds us of who he is and our ability to trust in him when we go through storms. God wants us to have complete faith and trust in him during every season of our lives. Whether we're doing well and things are going great or whether we are, you know, in the midst of an absolutely hard storm. He wants us to trust him. And Jesus could have stopped the storm before it happened, but he didn't. You know, God could have not allowed Jake to be in an accident. He could have. Now, do I think God initiated it? I don't think so. But do I think God's using it? Absolutely. And so we, he uses the storms to reveal himself to us. So in closing, this whole thing of Psalm 46.10, again, just a reminder, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. God wants us to know that we know that we know that he is God. So let's stand. I definitely want to have some ministry time and just pray for women tonight. But just for a minute, before the worship team even starts, I just want us to be quiet. And if you feel comfortable, I just want to invite you to put your hands out in front of you, And just ask the Lord to come, because I think he wants to speak to all of us and reveal himself to all of us. And so we're just going to be quiet for a minute, and then I have a few things that I feel like the Lord wants to do, and some others have shared some things as well. So Lord, we say, come Holy Spirit. Lord, your word says that your nearnesses are good. And so right now, we just take a moment to be still. And allow our hearts to know that you are God. And no no matter what we're walking through right now, you are in control. So come, Lord. going to pray for a couple of different things tonight. One thing before we pray for anything ministry-wise, I just want to invite anyone who maybe you don't know Jesus or you don't know God. Maybe you've come with a friend or maybe you've been coming to this church, but you've never really given your heart to God. And so when I talk about knowing God, it doesn't even really compute with you yet because you've not surrendered your heart or your life to him. And so I just want to invite you tonight to do that and it's simple the word of God says that if we confess our sins and we we confess him as Lord and Savior and we just ask him to come into our hearts and into our lives he does it's just a simple prayer and so if that's you in a moment when we have ministry time and we call people forward, I would just encourage you to come and as somebody comes and lays their hand on you just simply say I want to give my heart to Jesus or I want to give my life to the Lord and two things that I felt really, really strongly uh, for tonight was just, I really sensed that the Lord wanted to to break off fear and anxiety with women. And I actually was praying and walking yesterday, and I had this picture in my mind, um, and it was of a woman who was crouched down on the ground, and she was like cowering. And uh, she was cowering in fear, and and it was like I could see kind of this dark shadow over her, almost beating her down. And, I, and I, then I saw the Lord come in front of her. And he crouched down in front of her and he stood her up. And then when he stood her up, it was like he was breaking fear. And just his presence drove the, the dark spirit away. But then not only did that happen, all of a sudden I saw the Lord put a sword in her right hand and a shield in her left hand. And immediately the scripture came to mind just about, you know, the armor of God and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And I felt like the Lord was saying, not only do I want to deliver women of fear and anxiety tonight, but I want to empower them to know that the word is their weapon and faith is their shield and that they themselves have the authority to fight the enemy. And so not only does he want to deliver you and, and bring healing into your life, but he wants to give you power. And again, it's through this. It's through the reading of the word. It's through knowing these scriptures. And so if that's you, if you know you're dealing with fear and anxiety, I just want to invite you to come forward and you want to share your dream? Heather had a very similar dream. They kind of dovetail um Got it? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay.
2: Um, just what Pam was saying about that we have authority, uh, especially over fear. I had a dream a couple weeks back of um, fear was personified. And it was during a season where I was, had a lot of anxiety and fear. And I had that, a dream just a couple nights into that season. And um, fear was trying to break into this house. And it was like a community of people. And I was one of them. And it kept trying to break in, and it was finding its way in. And for whatever reason, every time I told it to leave, it would just come back through a different way. It would try to find a different way to come back in. And the last time um, I found fear was, it was actually crouched in the corner in the attic. And I said, what are you doing here again? I told you, you had to leave. And I realized in that moment, fear was afraid of me. Because it was afraid of the power that I had. And I was like, just amazed in that moment because I didn't realize that I was the one who was carrying this incredible power in me, which is the Lord Mm -hmm. and the authority of God to say, fear, I'm sorry, but you've got to (laughs) go. You have no place here. And um, I think the Lord just wanted to to again reiterate that to us, that we do have power over fear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm.
0: Can you hear me? Yep. I had a picture the other day and I felt like the Lord um, wanted me to share it tonight. And it was a picture of a person lying on the ground and they were, someone was administering CPR on them and literally uh, giving the rescue breaths, that part of CPR. And I really felt like the Lord um, wanted to remind those who maybe you just feel like you're weary
1: you feel like you've been asleep and the Lord wants to awaken you, or you feel like you are just dying inside, but the Lord wants to remind you that He's the one who will resuscitate you, mm-hmm. he will revive you, he is the one who is the source of breath and of life, he is the giver, and he wants to impart that to you tonight.
0: Amen. Good. So if any of those things apply to you, I just want to invite you to come forward and um, the great thing about these evenings is that we have time. So, um, just you know, but but don't you know, if, if you know the Lord's speaking to you, I just want to invite you, just please come. There's there's no one's going to be watching. Nobody's going to be, you know, why is she going forward? It's, just respond and allow the Lord to bring you into a place of freedom. So as they uh, sing this first song, I just want to invite you to come. And if you have a friend that comes forward, please come and pray for them. Or if you're a small group leader, please come and just ask what they're up here for. So go ahead.
1: If my heart, and if my heart is overwhelmed, and I cannot hear your voice, I hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. And if the stones of life come and the world Oh uh-huh.
0: So Lord, tonight, we just come as your daughters, and God, I pray for every woman here tonight who's dealing with fear and anxiety. Lord, just that picture that you gave me yesterday morning of you, Holy Spirit, coming and standing us to our feet and giving us a sword and giving us a shield, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would now come and break off fear and anxiety worry, panic attacks, God, sleepless nights. I pray the peace and the presence of God into our hearts and into our lives right now. And God, I pray for the powerful empowering of your Holy Spirit, even as Heather's dream, that we have the authority in us to command fear to go. And so tonight, Lord, As a corporate body, we command fear to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We take authority in the powerful name of Jesus, and we say, you must go. We ask God for you to bring peace and rest. Lord, we surrender our hearts and our minds to this place of knowing you are in control. We cannot and will never be in control of our lives, but you, O oh God, are in control. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. the authority of Jesus in us, the word of God, active and living as a sword, God, in our hands. Lord, every time the enemy comes with these accusing thoughts, may we be reminded and say, no, scripture says. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Just kind of uh, allow this what's happening here in this room to kind of go out with us as we share dessert tonight so God we thank you for your presence we thank you for your power that's here Lord I thank you for this scripture that can anchor our souls in time of storm in times of storming and times of turbulence God we hold true to the fact that you are God and so, Lord, as we go out tonight, I just ask, Lord, that we would, we would be assured, Holy Spirit, that you are in control of our lives, that you see us, that you know us, that no matter what we're walking through, God, you are with us in the midst of it. So thank you for every woman that's here tonight, God. I just ask for you to, Holy Spirit, just keep needing this like dough in bread. Lord, just just keep kneading this message into our spirits this week, I pray as we go. We thank you for this time that we can be together. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. If you're still praying,